And now, the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake. Greetings and salutations, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Criterion Break featuring Andy and Blake. That's not the right title. It's the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake. We've got to get that 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 preposition uh, proper. So that's the name of this show. I am Andy, the resident fat dude of Fat Dude Digs Flicks, joined as always by my wonderful, my talented, my <laughs> genius co-host of wow. Backlot 605, Killer <laughs> Countdown co-host, Blake Ginnethan. Blake, how you doing today? I'm doing uh, very great after all the superlatives you put uh, <laughs> upon me. <laughs> I, I want to come up with something like a, a combination, like a different combination each week, just to kind yeah. of like butter your bread a little bit and be like, I'm, hey, it's time I'm, for Blake. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is our bi-weekly podcast uh, focusing on the joy that is the Criterion Collection. We will basically start every episode off with some a some coming attractions, some news, a uh, little rundown of what else we've watched before diving into our feature. And this week's feature is the uh, part of the works of Costa, Grava, uh, Costa Gavras. He is a uh, French Algerian filmmaker, I believe, if I remember the the correct uh, origin of, of Gavras, uh, and we watched the State of Siege and Z, and it'll be really exciting to kind of dive into those two titles here in a little bit. Uh, we've kind of talked a little bit off air about what we thought about them, but I feel like we're saving the the big talk yeah, for our conversation yeah. so we uh, we did not get to the meat of the specifics yet so i'm really stoked to hear what you have to say about uh both movies yeah i think this was this was a great uh great assignment and i think we're, we want to send another thank you to i believe uh, mike quinlevin is his name I, uh, yeah, who, yeah. who suggested that we do this because yeah, my eyes are open to an incredible yeah. filmmaker now, and I yeah. am, I'm ready to, to take in more. So we'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit. But I think the first thing we'll kind of dive into, Blake, I know that other than these two movies, you had the opportunity to watch something else on the channel. Uh, what else did you watch this, this past two weeks? Yeah, um, so I've been sort of like on this... Uh, like wave of love of the Safdie brothers for the better part of like four or five years now. Yeah. And um, uh, it started with uh, Heaven Knows What, which is what I thought their debut feature was, which I thought was very good. And then, have you seen Good Time with Robert Pattinson? Yes, I have. I, I really enjoy that movie. Yeah. It's super I, uh, kinetic, full of energy. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that, um, and then of course, I mean, the, it seems like it's their, now their breakout hit, hit, which will probably get them bigger budgets and bigger actors. Although it's hard to get much bigger than Adam Sandler, um, Uncut yeah. Gems, which last year, which I thought was an absolutely incredible, incredible movie. Yeah, um, wonderful. I, I love that one. Yeah, I went back and uh, they have uh, their debut feature up on the channel. It's been up there for a few months now. Uh, Daddy Long Legs which is um, sort of inspired by the brothers growing up with their dad. And um, if, <laughs> if um, 
if if this is anything to go by, I can I completely understand why they make their their type of kinetic uh, uh, movies that just really never sit still. Um, so Daddy Long Legs is about this guy. He probably in his early forties has a couple of young kids, and he is arguably one of the cinema's worst dads ever. Oh no! <laughs> um, as someone who is has a one year old. Uh, I've, I often question myself of how good of a job I'm doing as a father. And after watching Daddy Long Legs, I am, I think I'm sitting just fine. Your confidence has been restored. I, <laughs> I am, I am doing just fine. Uh, this guy, um, he, boy, his, so it takes place in Manhattan, uh, or I shouldn't say Manhattan, but New York City. And, uh, and you know, this guy is just does not, he should not be a father. And, um, it's just about these two kids who, who have to deal with their dad and how, like, he just doesn't understand the responsibility of, of being a parent. And um, it which really makes you think of, like, how did, how did he have one kid, let alone two, um, with, with, with some woman? But, um, yeah, a lot of, it's, it's a lot of, like, these little vignettes where he just he makes the wrong decision time after time with how to... Um, with choices regarding his kids like at, at one point he meets some girl at a bar and they end up sleeping together and then he they wake up in the morning and and she's like oh yeah i'm going to the country i'm going to the i'm going to you know like northern new york with, with this guy now we're gonna hang out in the lake and he's like oh yeah i'll come along and bring my kids along and all of a sudden like he goes along with these this complete strangers with his kids to go boating in new york by the way, his girlfriend was watching his kids the night before, so he cheated on his girlfriend with this whole oh this whole thing. There's another scene where like he needs to, he needs his kids to sleep because he his work calls him and says you need to come in, and if you don't come in, you lose your job. And his girlfriend can't watch his kids, his neighbor can't watch his kids, so he basically figures out that this pill he takes to help him sleep, if he can just give them one eighth of the pill, it'll be the right dosage for his kids. Well, his kids don't wake up. Oh, no. And he has to call a doctor, who's a friend of his who's a doctor. And uh, basically, his, 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 his friend doctor comes over and says, um, they're basically in a coma right now, and I don't know when they're going to wake up. They're okay, but I don't know when they're going to wake up. And it's just like, there's just little things like this. And, I, and, and in a way... The Safties find a way for, to make you care about this guy. And that is the magic of this movie. You know, like, like and that's what, that's, that's what, like, sort of the magic of movies is, is getting you to, like, empathize with people maybe you wouldn't normally empathize with or, 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 or understand. And that's where right. this movie really succeeds is, like, you have this whole thing. You're sort of, like, cheering for him to, like, wake up and get it and understand it. But, and he never really does. Yeah. But that's sort of the magic behind the movie. And you really get the sense of where this like these the Safety brothers like had like this idea of manic uh kinetic energy to their movies. And while they didn't have the budget of their other movies, you you get you understand where like the John Cassavetti's influence comes. Like this is a right. very Cass Cassavetti's movie. In fact, I'm pretty sure this one the Cassavetti Awards at award at the uh, Independent Spirit Awards. Yeah, where, the, where it's like you know a certain movie under X amount of dollars is the best movie. Right. Um, but 
if you're if you enjoyed the other Safety Brothers movies, I'd, I I recommend it. It's 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 not as uh, violently paced as the other ones, but it's still like entertaining, and and it's yeah, it's it's a special little movie, and I I recommend it. Yeah, I I have heard nothing but good things about this one. And with those two filmmakers on the rise, I I really want to check this out. So I'll have to make sure I get that in uh, while it's still on the channel. Because, I mean, who knows? Maybe in the future it'll get a physical criterion release. But but, uh, right now, having having it on the channel, I think, is fantastic. And yeah, it it sounds great. It sounds like, you know, exactly like their kind of vibe. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm into that. I really like their super gritty just yeah. you know it's kind of like i don't know if salt of the earth is the best term but it just feels like these people are like plucked from the ground and they're yeah. these characters that you follow throughout this entire film so yeah, yeah they, daddy they, long legs yeah they have found some sort of niche in the film world where like it's their own world yeah and i don't i don't know how they got there they've taken like elements of scorsese and cassavetes and give it like like their scores are like are like are like these electronic push like boosts and they just they have this little world that they create where you're like oh I know where I am I'm in the Satsis Brothers movie and it's it's very very unique and I'm I'm just glad that they're making movies you know yeah it's it's kind of a genre to itself because it's like you know where would you put something like uncut gems and good time like they're drama but they have doses of comedy they have doses of action to them it's yeah. like the genre is a safety brothers film yeah and it's it's for such young filmmakers i think they're i think they're like a year or two younger than me like these guys have already carved out such a unique path for themselves. And I truly cannot wait to see what they do next. Cause I know it's going to be something special. Yeah. They're, they're great filmmakers. They're a lot of fun just to kind of watch in conversation as well. The Criterion Collection puts out uh, their closet videos where they let the filmmakers go into the Criterion closet yeah. and pick out yeah. movies them in that closet they 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 say right at the very beginning just so you know we're gonna fill this bag and sure enough they walk out with this you know overstuffed tote bag filled with criterion titles did you did you see the when they won best director at independent speed awards this last year for uncut gems did you watch their speech I didn't get to watch their speech. I, so, I, I seem to remember bits and pieces of it, but I, I don't remember sitting down to watch the so, whole thing. You, you need to watch it. So they go up okay. there and they, they talk very quickly and they talk over each other. And you, can, <laughs> and you know that they're just making fun of their movie. You know, like, and, and, and the, there's no like break, nothing. They just, they both talk and they both thank people at the same time. And you never know which one really has the lead on the conversation. It's very, very entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really like them. And I'm just, I, I feel like I'm, I'm completely sold on them. Uh, and I'm super excited to see where they go from here. I, I think Me too. they're great. Me too. Yeah. Uh, did you watch anything else this week? Uh, no, not off the channel. I did not. Yeah. Nope. I didn't get a chance to see anything on the channel, but I did get to watch uh, an art house film uh, that is currently streaming uh, kind of through VOD through the, uh, like, uh, well, here in, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the state movie theaters, mm-hmm. uh, the Sioux, South Dakota State Theater uh, is doing a virtual cinema. And one yep. of the titles they added this past week is the, I, I don't know if I could really call it a romantic drama. Uh, it is a, uh, about lost love, I would say. Uh, the drama called Clementine. 
Okay. Uh, this is the story of a, a right after a breakup, one of the women goes to, uh, it's a, a relationship between two women. One of the women goes to the, her ex's lake house and just to kind of get away from the world for a little while, kind of soak in the, the memory of what happened and just kind of come to grips with the end of this relationship. And while she's there, she meets this younger woman who she is completely just caught up in the world of. It's, it's, it's not like a, you know, super lustful relationship, but she just is completely fascinated with this other woman and over the course of this film you you figure out who these people are what their relationship is and who they can become to each other uh it takes some twists and turns so i don't want to give anything mm -hmm. away uh but it's it's not that it's a suspenseful film but it just it has these moments where you're really hooked into what is mm -hmm. going on i see a lot of promise in this movie i don't think this movie completely knocks it out of the park but i really i i did enjoy it and i think there's a lot of talent uh to really keep your eye on uh, the filmmaker's name is laura gallagher and it's a it's a tight script she she wrote a tight script it's really uh interestingly directed and filmed uh and then the main star of this i've, I've never heard of before her name looks like it's atmara marrero i have never okay. seen her in anything else but she is just dazzling it's it's such a a low-key performance but she just inhabits mm. it to such a point where it's it's fascinating um yeah i, I thought this was a, a really i thought this was a good movie and i think it more than anything else other than you know falling in love with this movie or not i think it shows a lot of promise for everyone involved so uh i think with with young filmmakers if you can get your foot in the door like this where there's something where it's like okay I see what you're doing and I just want to see where you go from here. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a big statement. So cool. uh, yeah, I was glad I checked this one out. Uh, Clementine probably can be found uh, not on the Criterion channel, but can definitely be found uh, in your virtual cinemas if you live in a market yeah. where they are doing those. Since we're promoting virtual cinemas, I too watched a movie through our state theater uh, virtual cinema the first weekend that it, they were doing. Um, Gosh, I actually forgot what the name of the movie is. Um, <laughs> a, it's it's called A White White Day. Oh, okay. Um, and it was Iceland's um, entry for uh, their, their Oscar entry this past year. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I chose it was because I went to Iceland about four or five years ago. And it's, you know, still part of me. And I still, like, think about it a lot. And so, like, oh, I kind of want to revisit that. I, that that memory that I have of the of the country, and so I, I watched a white day, which is about this police officer whose wife dies, and he's kind of go he's he's building a new house, he spends a lot of time with his granddaughter, and uh, he goes through some old tapes of of that his wife created, and he he sort of gets the idea that his wife was having an affair, and he goes through all of these motions of like should I feel anger? Should I feel disappointment? Should I feel sad? Should I just be okay with it? It's, you know, she's dead now, but he can't let this thing get away from us. It's, it's eating at him. He has conversations with his friends about whether they, you know, uh, had extramarital uh, affairs and whatnot. And some are sort of like, yes, you know, some are no. And so he ends up making the choice to confront the guy that, that, that may or may not have, 
had an affair with him. And I won't say what happens or, or whether he did or not, but um, it it's it's a very slow burn movie. Like it's sure. not and not in the sense that like everything's always like I like a, for me a slow burn needs to work. Like it, like something always interesting needs to be happening. And this just it, this was a good movie, but it wasn't like a a great one. And um, right. I at, at the end of the day, I sort of wasn't. Um, that um, I didn't walk away like feeling like, oh, that was really good. You know, I was sort of like, oh, that's that's fine. You know, that's okay. Yeah. Um, it reminded me of a movie that I saw years ago called Revenge. Have you seen that? I have not, but it's in the collection. It is in the collection. Yeah, it's very, very, very good. And it, it sort of reminded me of that where it's like the slow burn idea uh, of someone who, and Ranch, I, I, it might be Polish or something, but it means revenge. And um, it, it reminded me a lot of that, which is a much better movie in my opinion. But yeah, um, yeah a White White Day, I recommend it, just not like a lovingly high recommendation. Right. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, it sounds it sounds interesting, but it sounds like one of those that it's like I'll catch this. I don't know if I'll necessarily watch it when it's in the virtual cinema, but maybe if it uh, you know yeah. pops on yeah. somewhere for a little bit cheaper, I might uh, give that one a spin. But absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's going to do it for what we've been watching. We should move on to uh, coming soon. So every episode, we like to kind of dive into some movies that are either coming out in the physical collection or appearing on the streaming service. And this week, now it, now that it has passed the 15th of the month, Criterion <laughs> has announced their titles uh, coming to the physical collection. So let's unveil what is coming out in August. I've got them right in front of me here. August is a really interesting month because I always get, my, my interest is always peaked in the months where there are no titles that I am particularly excited for. And it's mm -hmm. not knocking that. It's just, I don't know these movies. So it's like, mm -hmm. this is a way for me to kind of, even though people know about them, they've, they've reached an audience. For me, this, this feels like I'm kind of discovering them. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's really what a lot of the case is, save for this huge release on August the 11th. So we'll go with the first <laughs> one here. So the first film comes out on August the 4th. This is called The Lost Honor of Katarina Bloom. This is actually a Blu-ray reissue. I believe it's oh, already okay. in the collection on DVD. Um, so this is the first time it has arrived, or first time it's arrived on Blu-ray in the collection. Um, I know <laughs> nothing at all about this title. Uh, kind of, kind of digging through the uh, little synopsis here. It looks like it is a political thriller uh, dealing with a woman who enters into a one-night stand with an alleged terrorist. Um, and kind of what happens surrounding that, if, if she's going to fall victim to being caught with him, or if she can kind of overcome um, the uh, influence of the state and the media on her reputation. Um, I think it sounds great. Like, it just mm -hmm. sounds yeah. like a, a really exciting uh, interesting piece of cinema. It looks like it's uh, 1975 uh, German film. Uh, again, nothing I have any experience with whatsoever. Not one that when they announced it, I was really over the moon about. But you know, seeing it here, it's it's one that I will be excited to to kind of check out. Have you heard anything previously about the Lost Honor of Katarina Bloom? Honestly, I haven't. Yeah. Um, 
but I feel kind of piggybacking off of what you said, even though like I haven't heard this movie before, um, I feel like this is one of those where I'll pop it on and be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sort of excited to dig into it. I'm looking on the Criterion page right now for it, and it, it is on the channel right now. Oh, is it? So, oh. yeah. Yep. So it, it's if you go to if you're on there right now, it shows like yeah. the, the pricing and whatnot. If you just right. go down from that, it says digital options. Watch now on the Criterion channel. So nice. it is it is available to pop on and watch if 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 you're interested. But it does sound very interesting, and I will say Criterion does political thrillers pretty well. So yeah, yeah. This one this one could be a stunner. Yeah, it's it's always nice. That's that's another thing that I really appreciate the, about the Criterion Collection is just that it it does feel like yes, so many of these movies have been in existence for eons before I even became an idea in my parents, yeah. you know, yeah. mind. But it still feels like they're unearthing them and they're they're presenting them for people to kind of discover. And yeah. uh, this this is one that I have a feeling that you're absolutely right. I think this will be one of those that's like. Wow, I have you heard about this one? Because this yeah. is something cool. So yeah, uh, so that comes out on August the fourth on Blu-ray, uh, and it is currently streaming in the uh, on the Criterion Channel. Uh, the next one on August the eleventh. Now this this is the big one. Andy, are it you is, sitting down? Are you sitting down right now? Are you okay? I, I, okay? So I'm sitting down, but I have a feeling that as I'm saying this, I will gradually start to kind of rise up in my seat. <laughs> uh, I am, I'm very excited for this one. And I have zero, no, that's not true. I have very, very little experience with this filmmaker. This is a box set, the complete films of Agnes Varda. Wow. This, this thing looks incredible it has uh hold on here let's see if we can find how many discs this thing has well i uh, think there's 35 movies good god it's <laughs> like it is comprehensive and as someone who owns the ingmar bergman box set uh this would look really nice right beside it on the shelf it's, um, it's 15 discs wow wow uh super exciting uh that this this is uh has been released uh and a lot of these are presented for the first time i think in on criterion blu-ray a lot of them presented for the first time in the criterion collection period mm -hmm. and it just it's it's her her uh fictional films her her non-fictional films um it even includes the recent release faces places uh which is a great documentary that's <laughs> It's weird because it's kind of like a, a look at her life, but it's also this this uh, analysis of art, uh, mm. and it's that's that's the only film of hers that I have actually seen, and I I loved it. And she she co-directed that one with an artist named J.R., and it was just wonderful. Um, mm. So I'm I'm really excited to get my hands on this. Uh, it'll be ones that I'll be I'll be digging into for years afterwards. Do you have any previous experience with Agnes Varda? I have zero experience right? with Agnes yeah. Varda. In fact, we have such little experience with Agnes Varda that we've sort of already etched in stone like a future episode where we both watch. Maybe, we might have to do like a, a two-parter or yeah. maybe even watch a couple of movies for this and both come in with... Uh, 
maybe like two to four movies because I have no experience with her and I'm eager to dive in. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, as a, a uh, uh, either a, a prelude to the release of this or a, a, a postmark to the release of this set, uh, we will really have to kind of dive in and, and change our experience with her because mm-hmm. this is super exciting. Just looking at the contents of this thing, it has the, the really cool uh, kind of... Uh, uh, booklet art for the that, that holds the discs that houses the discs themselves and then it has a huge uh paper book uh to go along with it it looks it looks great and it's because it's so colorful i can just in my head i'm just imagining it on my shelf next to the the bergman box which is very stark black and white mm-hmm. and having this one pop right next to it uh this is this is great what a what a release so i'm i'm very excited for this one even though i have not seen any of her films save for face of places so uh big big release for criterion here mm-hmm. it seems like they're announcing like a box set every month now yeah yeah and i know they have a bunch of other ones on the horizon i know that there is a particular filmmaker uh that you and i are both really looking forward to i will say if that comes out in my birthday month you have no idea how happy (laughs) i am going to be oh god that's uh, i cannot wait for that box set cannot that box will be something special (sighs) there are uh I, I I can't wait. <laughs> That's, that he, one's gonna let's, be a good one. Let's just say he might be on my list of essentials yep. uh, when we record that next time. So not at all surprised. I'm just I'm curious as to which which film of his you've decided to put on there. Yeah, you will find out. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so so let's see. So we've got next uh, the Agnes Varda comes out on August the 11th. Uh, that is followed up by two releases on the 18th of August. Uh, a documentary from D. A. Pennebaker and Chris Hegedus. I've I've not heard of him. I've heard of Pennebaker, uh, right. but is Town Bloody Hall. Uh, and then from Paul Schrader, uh, the director of uh, uh, First Reformed. Um, Mishima? My mind just went blank. Uh, yes, yes, Mishima, which I love. That's one of my favorites. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, this is The Comfort of Strangers. Um, again, two movies I know absolutely nothing about, uh, but am really excited to get a chance to see. Let's see. So first one we have here is Town Bloody Hall, uh, which is a, looks like it's a, a documentary about a, uh, let's see, kind of a, a like a like a like a speech like a panel mm-hmm. uh yep. given the opportunity to to film this discuss, discussion between uh several female thinkers and activists uh looks like it includes Susan Sontag, Betty Friedan, uh let's see Jacqueline Sabalos, Jermaine Greer, Jill Johnston, Diana Trilling all against Norman Mailer uh who is a you know comedic essayist uh they are butting heads and the conversation the debate was filmed for all to see uh yeah i i like pennebaker i i like pennebaker's documentaries so uh, this one i have never heard of before and uh this should be this should be an exciting watch i i like when uh, kind of uh 
uh, these these historical documents are kind of put forth for us all to see. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this one sh- this one should be another good one. Do you have anything yeah. uh, about uh, this? I've I, I've heard of D. A. Pennebaker, but I've never seen any of his movies before. Yeah. So uh, I love how the poster is made look like a boxing <laughs> promo. Right. Yeah, that's great. That that uh, that cover art just looks fantastic and i think that'll that'll really help sell the title to people who you know might be unfamiliar with it i know that a lot of people who a lot of people are like us in a sense and uh if they see criterion titles they're just like yeah i want it but uh, <laughs> i think that i think that cover is is pretty great oh mm-hmm. uh, the the other director other than pennebaker uh chris hagedas he helped direct or he actually directed the war room uh, which is a documentary on the election of Bill Clinton, and that oh. is fantastic. That is a really? great documentary. Yeah. Okay. So knowing that it's the, these two uh, these two men who have directed it makes me even more excited to see this one. So, uh, Town Bloody Hall comes out on August the 18th, along with The Comfort of Strangers. Uh, so this one, let's see. Uh, you know, okay, so the synopsis of this one <laughs> feels like when Criterion is trying to capture you with the mood instead of the plot. Uh, it looks like yes. it is a, a a couple working on their relationship and they are put in a web of seduction. And mm-hmm. they've got to deal with all of the forces coming together. Uh, important things to note here, uh, the cinematographer is Dante Spinotti, uh, who is yes. a, a famous filmographer, with a score by Angelo Badalamente, who did a lot of David Lynch scores. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, that So I, I've wanted to watch this for a while, and I think, yep, this just went up on the channel as well. Oh, good. Um, yeah, but um, like you said, Dante Spinotti who I think he shot um, Heat, Michael Mann's oh, yeah. Heat. And I yeah. think he, he might have done L.A. Confidential. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but yeah, the great uh, Dante Spinotti. And like you said, Angelo Badalamente, who makes these incredible <laughs> like scores for David Lynch. And um, I, it should be uh, exciting to see what he does here. I've wanted to watch this for a while. And after seeing the cover art for this, I was like, why have I not watched this? Right. And um, also, I love the cast. Like, I'm, for some, I I really, oh, it's Natasha Richardson. For some reason, I saw the picture and I was like, oh, it's Greta Sachi, who I really like a lot. But um, it's Natasha Richardson, who I think is great. um the you know uh unfortunately she passed away you know right. what 10 years or so ago but christopher Walken, you can't go wrong with rupert everett who um who like if given the right material is fantastic uh yep. and of course i mean helen, helen Mirren, who doesn't who doesn't age at all wow. but um uh but yeah so and of course paul schrader how can we forget paul schrader but um right. yeah this sounds really and i think the entire thing takes place in uh venice so um i'm sumptuous scenery to go along with everything i'm super interested to to dive into this one especially after seeing the cover art like i'm really curious now to see what this is all about so 
yeah, this one looks this one looks intriguing, and that the fact that it's on the channel right now too uh, makes me want to uh, get a chance to see it before it comes out because, wow, yeah, it looks looks fascinating. So I am mm-hmm. on board with this one, uh, which brings us to the final uh, release of August, and this is Tony from Jean Renoir, uh, the nineteen thirty five French film. Uh, that I know again nothing about. Yeah, uh, broken see, record this, tonight for both of us, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, cool, this one. I don't know what it is. Cool, this one. I don't. I don't know what that is. But we, I do want to stress when we started this, we emphasized we are learning as much yeah. as as anyone else that's diving into the Criterion Collection. Right, right. This, this for us is kind of. Uh, you know, we're basically just two guys who really love movies and love these kind of movies mm-hmm. and just don't get, this is a way to kind of make sure that we watch these movies that we want to watch. Right. And uh, this is this is our way of, of kind of giving each other that, that push in the right direction so that we can uh, class our brains up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this one, let's see. Uh, it looks like, kind of catching some of the highlights here that this was a film who that used a lot of non-professional actors and on location shooting to tell this story of uh looks like it's set in a community of immigrants and living on the margins of french society um and also another one about tempestuous affairs so hey there we go (laughs) (laughs) i smell double feature i know it's like that's that's what we're gonna have to do so comfort of strangers and tony in a double dip here so Mm -hmm. uh yeah again uh, not something i know nothing about but just from the the cover art the the involvement of jean renoir uh renoir i'm gonna screw it up but my my uh I've I've been talking all day since I've gone back to work, and sure. I know that right now by this point I'm going to trip over my tongue more often than not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, an, a, a, another kind of erotic thriller, but set like in the third, you know, filmed in the '30s, so it's as erotic as you know that era yeah. is allowed to be. But yeah, a, again, another another interesting one that I know nothing about that I would be excited to watch. Another filmmaker I've not seen a movie of. You know, I don't know if I have either, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, this one is on the collection as well, or on the channel right now, too. Oh, okay, so, cool. So, um, yeah. And he also did, has uh, The Grand Illusion, which is also in the collection and the rules of the game. And if he has yeah. others, then I apologize. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I know those two for sure are in there. But I have yeah. never heard of this movie until it was announced. Right. Yeah, same here. Rules of the game, I have seen. I have seen oh, Rules of the okay. Game. So okay. that one that one is great. Uh, but Grand Illusion is the one that I feel I feel bad that I haven't had a chance to see yet because it is uh widely praised as a a fantastic film. So. A little bit of trivia for you. It is the very first foreign language movie nominated for Best Picture. Ooh, I did not know that. Yeah, I did not know that. But we watched another movie that we'll talk about later that was also nominated for uh, there is, Best Foreign Film and Best Picture. Yeah, and that is the first movie to do that as well. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. But all yeah. right, so those are the releases that are slated to hit the Criterion Collection in August. Uh, kind of rounding them out one more time. August the 4th, The Lost Honor of Katerina Bloom. On August the 11th, The Complete Films of Agnes Varda, uh, 
August 18th, Town Bloody Hall and the Comfort of Strangers. And then on the 25th, Tony. So that will be another uh, another loaded month. And honestly, with all the Varda films, uh, one of the most loaded months ever. Um, I want to touch upon one other thing before we move into our feature. And that was this week, uh, it was announced that HBO Max, the new streaming service from HBO, uh, upon its launch, will have a few <laughs> Criterion Collection films available to stream. Uh, I say a few, but if you have the opportunity to look over this list of, of films that will be included on the launch of HBO Max, uh, holy crap. If, if you don't have the Criterion channel, uh, this is your way uh, to get to experience some incredible Criterion films. I, I'm, I'm blown away by this list. Like you, you've had a chance to kind of look this over a little bit. What do you uh, think about this? I am shocked at how big this list is. It is. It goes uh, on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. We were t we talked before Mike about this, and this is a pretty impressive list. However, if you want the great curation that the channel gives you, you're not right. going to get that here. Yeah. But having said all that, boy, they have a ton of the, the a lot of the movies that are actually in the collection around here. Like not yeah. the actual. You know, uh, if you like this, you can get this, you know, uh, but like, boy, there, this, this is a, there's gotta, I got, there's gotta be 200 movies that they're throwing up, which is a lot, which is, which is about a fifth of the collection. Right. Yeah. It's, it is just, just kind of browsing through here. Like you can't even make it through the bees without going, wow, they've got this. Yeah. Wow. It's, it, this is, this is awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, it, it makes me all the more excited for, uh, HBO Max. Uh, I already was pretty pumped about it, but, you know, they've got this list of Criterion titles. They've got their H, or not HBO, but Warner Brothers classics, uh, you know, things like Casablanca, The Rebel Without a Cause, uh, I mean, the Maltese Falcon, just looking at that list, it's, it's insane, all of the titles mm -hmm. that are there. And then on top of that, You've also got the entire Studio Ghibli collection, uh, all of the films from Hayao Miyazaki. Just wow! What mm -hmm. what a place to start from with this uh, this service. So uh, yeah, and and then on top of that, let's let's not forget that now now they are actually hashtag releasing the Snyder cut. So uh, <laughs> there's that too. That that will be the only time that's, I ever mentioned Justice League on this podcast. That's the real reason to get HBO Max. <laughs> I think I think for some people that might be the reason to avoid it because uh, what a you know, what a what a nightmare. <laughs> a quick aside: I, at this point, with all the hulabaloo about over this, I think I'm ready to watch this, even though I thought Justice League was okay. Right. So. I'm if if this truly does come out, then I will probably watch it just to say that I've seen it and oh, yeah. uh, it, let bygones be bygones. Yeah, it feels like it's one of those. I was curious. I was thinking today too. I was like, what what cut could 
be released on the Criterion channel that would get like movie geeks up in arms, like that, like super excited, like people are over uh, the Snyder cut of Justice League. And I thought the the one thing that really came to mind was Abel Ganz's version of Napoleon. That was the one that I was like, complete Napoleon. Or the uh, actual, the Wells cut, the Orson Wells cut of the Magnificent Ambersons. Yes, that's that. That's definitely one I think people would lose their minds over. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, hmm. this, you got me this, thinking now. Yeah, you think it over. You let me know if you come up with something. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I'll try to come up with something. That's a good plan. We'll we'll, uh, we'll yep. kick it off with that. So yes. yeah, HBO Max uh, coming soon. I believe it it launches next week. Uh, wow. With loads of titles on board uh so for those of you who are looking for another streaming service here you go and with that i think it's time to get to our feature presentation of this week's episode uh these are the two films that we are discussing that we have had the chance to see from director costas gravas uh or gavras uh that would be state of siege and z um to kind of start this this off with with one word um i want to use the word incendiary Mm. i feel like these films are absolutely incendiary and what they are trying to do these are uh, yes tense political thrillers um blake overall just kind of a general statement what what did you think about these these two movies uh very angry yeah I, I, this to me was a man who was like, I, there have been injustices to people who are trying to make the world better, and I'm going to show you exactly how it's being done, and it's right in front of your face. Um, incendiary, angry, um, just like volcanic movies of just rage and like not rage like you know like violence but like rage as in like just pure anger and and and, and like it's not like directed at the screen it's just like how it's so hard to explain it's just like how gavras gets just throws it in your face of just how these injustices are being done to people yeah yeah, um, I, I I watched both of these movies, and you know, uh, 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 Pasolini was assassinated. The director of Salo and okay. uh, the, the the Canterbury Tales, uh, you know, he was a, a very political filmmaker, and he was assassinated for putting the politics in his films. Okay, I listen. I like. I'm not one of those people, but it it, it shocks me with just how political these films are that maybe that that i don't know of a time where he ever where gavras ever ran into that uh that threat that possibility he had to have. Be, because these are just so like so anti-fascist like it, it's it's just so very like it feels like it's lighting a political match and just throwing it uh lighting everything ablaze and wow <laughs> just wow these movies are are incredible um i was really uh 
blown away by by getting a chance to watch these two movies it it made me a little disappointed that i hadn't seen them before but mm -hmm. man that's one of the things that makes me so happy that we're doing this because mm -hmm. we get a chance to see these films um, i think i'm going to start with you let's let's start with state of siege i think that's okay. a good place to begin here um I want to know, what were your, your initial thoughts? How did you feel about State of Siege? What kind of stood out to you in this one? Well, okay, so um, I, this was the first one I watched of the two. Um, and I have to admit, this, I enjoyed this one more than Z quite a bit. Wow. Um, and I, and I, I thought Z was great, so we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But right. State of Siege, like boy, there is a lot going on in this movie. Um, and what I really admired about State of Siege was that the movie never gives you time to just rest and really capture your thoughts. It's sort yeah. of just like this... The, so basically, to kind of like lay the, the pipe work down for what this is about, it's about this... I believe he's like a diplomat for the U.S. government... Right. And it takes place in Montevideo, Uruguay. And um, he, he is there to help the police and local military fight insurgency. And lo and behold, he is captured by the insurgency. And I mean, this really isn't spoilers because it sort of begins at the end of the movie. Right. But like he... He is dead, and they don't really. Do they ever explain how he dies? I don't think they ever really did. No, they they never um, really show like what happened or kind of go into great detail as to right. He's just kind of like killed. he's just found dead in a car, yeah. and that, it, it sort of goes back a week, and then it just it, it it recounts each day of from his kidnapping to how the military and the police are are trying to find him, and man, like, this movie just never stops moving. It's like, it's sort of like you're, this isn't a part of the movie, although it kind of is, but, like, it's, it's almost like you're following a, a journalist as he is uncovering facts, and, like, you're only getting the parts where he's uncovering the facts. And it's just, it's like this, this vivid, like, this is it's, it's this motion where, like, it's like all of a sudden it's one day and then it's the next day and things are escalating and there's like, you, you never get respite from like what's happening. You're, you never get to catch your breath. And that is what I was so impressed with. Um, I, I, I sent you some pictures in our little group chat and then I, 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 I started a little, I stopped the movie and did some research, but like, there's no way that Alfonso Cuaron has not seen this movie. Like I oh, refuse yeah. to, I refuse to believe it. <laughs> there's a shot in Children of Men where, you've seen Children of Men, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I okay, love okay. that movie. Yeah. There's a shot in Children of Men where Clive Owen is, has been taken hostage uh, by this terror, nah, I, I don't know if they're terrorist, they're a political group. And he's right. put in this room that's covered in newspaper articles. And in that movie, it's, it's, it's used to tell the story in the background. And here, it's sort of, done, it's sort of the same thing, but not really. But the, 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 uh, the protagonist of the movie, uh, let me get his name here, Philip, uh, he, uh, the diplomat, he, he is taken to a room after he's kidnapped and is covered in newspaper in newspaper. And there's just there's there's no way that that Alfonso Cuarón like did not lift that, 
and use it for his movie. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, there are some shots in this that are just, I, I have no idea how they did them. Um, one follows a, one like follows a car through a neighborhood, like looking straight down from like a couple hundred feet up in the air through a neighborhood. And it's like, it's almost like, um, it's almost like you're following an ant with like a microscope, you know, like sort of like, or a magnifying glass. You're following them through this neighborhood. Another shot where like, it's on top of a building and it sweeps from side to side and it follows the police go, going through the streets, or like uh, stopping people, frisking them, getting the IDs. And, and it goes on for like a good minute. Yeah. And there's like these just incredible, and I could go on. There's another shot where it, like, it, it follows the police raiding these slums. And like, there's like, I, I just, it's, it's, just, it's just purely, um, oh, I, I'm blanking on the word, but like, uh, like just the, the, just the scale of filmmaking is just unrivaled. Like, I can't put it any other way. Like these shots are just so precise and grand you know like these big big moments and you're like just blown away by what godress is doing uh, on a on a a scale level and that that that's what i took away from the movie was just the scale of what he was doing just felt so big for the maybe the budget he had right everything feels so far ahead of its time with with uh, the the technique of uh, yes. the, the visual storytelling as well as the the uh, you know just how intense the political thriller of this is it just feels like it's something that while it's certainly from a different era it just yeah it feels like it's it's ahead of that it feels like it, mm-hmm. it it's just doing something that no one else has really yeah even thought of doing at that time um i was really taken by the kidnapping scene yeah uh, just how intricately the, the 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 plotting was of that and how it would be like they're they're taking some people out of the car then they move the car somewhere else and then they trade the team a different team takes over the car from that point forward and you know just piece by piece by piece of working towards uh, kidnapping these um, officials. Mm-hmm. What a scene! Like yeah. I, I just, uh, I, I was so caught up in that and how they were putting that together that it was just like, you know, at first it's like, what are they? What's going on? What's what's the what's the deal here? And then when you mm-hmm. when everything links together, fascinating. Just just yeah. really fascinating how they put that together. The scene where like they send out multiple groups of people to just hijack cars yeah. was just like, <laughs> was incredible. There's that one taxi driver who's just like, oh, you guys again, okay. Let me guess, I gotta, <laughs> let, right. let me guess, I gotta ditch my car and then, and then basically <laughs> say it was stolen. And like, yeah. just, I, I love the detail that, they, that he gets in with these scenes. Yeah, it, it was like, what did he say? He's like, what, I'm supposed to, I gotta wait here 30 minutes and then call? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. and that was that was another thing too that uh, are are kind of in both of these movies. Like these are not comedies by any stretch of the imagination. No, 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 not at all. But here and there, there's like one character or one sequence where there's this just really funny uh, 
bit that is almost a little shocking because of everything else that happens around it. And I thought that that uh, that taxi driver was just the the best kind of levity that this film could have. Even though mm -hmm. we had hadn't even scratched the surface on just how tense this film was going to get at that point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I wonder, and you know, what we're going to kind of do here, because I feel like with, with how old these films are, it's difficult to really talk about some of the things uh, that happen without spoiling something. Okay. So, I mean, maybe just, I'll, I'll give a, a general spoiler alert from here on out. You can, you can pause the episode, watch both these movies, then come back. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I would say just in general, they are both absolutely worth your time. Um, check them out. Um, but I, I want to touch upon something that maybe it was just me and how I watched the film. At the very beginning, when... You know, we open where we're already revealed that that this character is killed. Like mm -hmm. we, we we learn that right away. And so I think because of that, for a long stretch of the film, I was like, oh, well, their whole purpose, they're telling him they're not going to kill him, but their whole purpose is to kill him. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's what they want to do right from the get-go. But I feel like that changed um, once kind of the... I would say structure of their their team changed because mm -hmm. the person who spoke with him before was not the person who spoke with him uh, near the end after people got caught. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I don't I don't necessarily know that they did want to kill him at first, no matter what his I his, uh, I don't believe they did either. Yeah, and it's it feels like it it came to. You know, once they realized exactly what his involvement was and how no matter what they did, their needs, their their demands were not going mm -hmm. to be met, that was the only option they had left was, mm -hmm. was to actually execute this this uh this diplomat, this agent. Yeah. And it the, the I think it's part of the structure of the film, how you really just just go on board where you can kind of feel that there's almost a sense of regret that they realize that this is the only way they can get out of this is by killing him. But it, it also feels like they don't necessarily want to. It's a, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird emotional beat in this movie mm -hmm. that feels very, not emotionless, but it's, it's so by the book like it, it's it's just it's it's telling you fact like you said earlier it's un, un, unraveling the facts of what's going on mm -hmm. that any little thing that kind of deviates from fact really stands out and i think that that this film does that really well as it as it uh, kind of careens toward its ending i agree yeah um trying to think here this actor this this lead actor eve montand uh mm -hmm. he he shows up again in z but i'm trying to think if i've seen him in anything else if there are any other uh classic uh, films that he appears in um and let me it, look here it looks like he 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 got quite a bit of work uh he appeared in a film with marilyn monroe in 1960 uh, called Let's Make Love. He was in the uh, kind of early racing classic Grand Prix. 
Uh, mm -hmm. But he's also in uh, a movie that I haven't seen that I love the remake of. Uh, he is in The Wages of Fear, uh, which is the inspiration for Sorcerer. Uh, yes, so, I've seen Wages of Fear. How do you think? How do you, how do you feel about that one? Uh, I, okay, I love Wages of Fear. Yeah. But I'm such a big William Friedkin fan that I think Sorcerer is a lot better. Yeah, I, I have a feeling I'm going to line up with you on that one because Sorcerer is just amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if if you put Tangerine Dream as your score, you're going to get like five extra points from me immediately. So, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I also noticed that he's un, he has an uncredited role in Kelly's Heroes, which oh, wow. is one of which is a movie that I watched a bunch when I was a kid because my dad was such a huge Clint Eastwood fan. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So a big, big, uh, uh, you know, successful career for, for mm -hmm. Montan. Uh, and we'll talk about him a little bit more here in a minute. But yeah, any other thoughts about State of Siege? I, I thought this one was, was really good. I, one thing I kind of got from both of them, too, for me, they felt like, uh, this is, this is going to seem like a, an odd metaphor, but it's the only one I could come up with. It almost feels like a roller coaster because it's it starts yeah. off a little slow where you're like, okay, I've got to really get into the feel of this. But once mm -hmm. it catches and drops, it goes. It just yeah, it, never, it just clicks along. It never stops. Yeah, yeah. I I, I thought this one was was quite good. Uh, really exciting movie that. Uh, yeah, the the more it went on, the longer it went on, the more and more I I really appreciated it. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, uh, so yeah, let's go ahead and talk about our other film that we have <laughs> to talk about, uh, and this was Z. And I'll start off our conversation on this one. And I think uh, once we're done dis discussing this movie, uh, you'll understand why each of us, uh, <laughs> why I made it so this is the order we we talk about. Sure, movies. sure. Uh, so Z is this, it's, it's almost feels kind of documentary-like in the way that it is set up. It's the story of this assassination of a, uh, kind of the, the head of a, a political group. And it's very much plotted out. They, they, they decide at first that, how's the best way to present this? So they're, they're building up to have this, uh, speech in front of a group yep. of supporters and to get to this building where this speech is held it is surrounded by opposing uh the opposing party uh protesting that the speech is allowed to happen and the members of this this team this this uh group of people who are going to the speech are assaulted and accosted on their way into this building they finally are able to get in, give the speech, and on their way out of this this uh, uh, meeting, uh, the head of the group is uh, assaulted. And at first, he, he's put in the hospital. They don't know if he's going to recover. They seem uh, they they feel like it's going to be promising that he's going to pull out of it. But of course, he doesn't. So then it becomes a, an investigation as to whether or not this was a, a murder or if it was an accident. And you get to watch this whole thing unfold uh, through the eyes of the magistrate, who is kind of the, the lawyer, uh, and a journalist who 
aren't necessarily working together to unravel the case, but through both of their investigations, they find <clears throat> that this was uh, a murder that was uh, covered up, uh, kind of organized and covered up by members of the government. And it is a high-reaching cover-up. Um, I, I loved this movie. Uh, I, I thought this movie was absolutely incredible. And it was another one, too, where as it started, I was like, am I, am I going to like this one? Am I going to be on board for this? But once it all got started and everything started to unfold, I was just enraptured by this movie <laughs> like i just i just found this movie to be completely fascinating um i don't know necessarily that it has the kinetic sequences that state of siege does because that that kidnapping scene in state of siege is just super energetic and really like oh yeah that's that's awesome but I think the the way of the storytelling kind of unfolds as the the uh, the two investigators are are figuring out what happened and how it happened. I think just because it it feels so like snappy, even though it's just through words, ah, uh, it it gets its claws in you and it doesn't let go. Um, how did you feel about Z? Like. What, what you said about how State of Siege feels more kinetic, but this feels like it just moves faster, period, is 100% how I feel about the two movies. Yeah. Um, the State of Siege has more scenes that are like more intense and more like they're more like stacked on top of each other, where like it, the intensity doesn't love, like let up, but this one, like it just it's it just it, it propels itself forward at like at a at not quite the same speed but just like it doesn't stop at all right. and um yeah wow i i i too was uh pretty enraptured with this I, at one point i was just like god i wonder how far i am into this and i like i was like i must be like 25 minutes into it i had i hit the thing and i was like an hour and six minutes and i was like oh my god like this yeah. thing just just flies by and um yeah, I mean this this movie is incredible. <laughs> yeah, ah, it, it it's I, I remember I looked at the running time of this movie before I started, and I'm like, all right, so two hours and seven minutes. It's not super long, but I'm gonna have to buckle myself in because I gotta you know gotta psych myself up. I'm not, I'm not right. sitting for anything quick here, but uh, it is certainly quick a quick two hours. It just mm -hmm you get so caught up in everything that's happening that it, it never lets go of you. No. And it's, it's just, it, it completely makes sense to me that this movie kind of uh, was such a part of the cultural zeitgeist when it came out. Like we said earlier, this was nominated not only for best foreign film at the Oscars that year, it was also nominated for best picture. And that's not something that, that happens all the time. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, now we've we've we're living in an era where not only was something nominated for best picture or best foreign film and best picture, it won both of them. Which, right? Hey, holla to, to Bong Joon Ho! But yeah. uh, it's just it's it's really something that it was uh, nominated for that at that time. But it also won. It won the foreign language Oscar, 
and the film editing Oscar. That, and, and that's a big award too. Oh yeah. And watching how this movie is edited, it's exciting. The yeah. editing of this film is super exciting. They, uh, there's a sequence in the film where they go over the, the murder again and it uses slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm always a person that slow motion kind of like, you get that feeling in the back of your neck where it's kind of like, oh, uh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, you really live or die by your slow motion sequences in your movie. Yeah, but here it's just, it, it plays off perfectly and it kind of adds to the, uh, the documentary feel of this movie. Um, it, this is not set in a, like a real country i don't think they ever actually name where this film is set if i recall i could have i thought they mentioned that it took place in algiers but oh yeah um i could be mistaken too i'm I'm pretty sure they do but yeah well even so it feels like it's it's just uh you know anywhere it feels like it could be anywhere where Mm -hmm. we're dealing with this this conflict of of a struggle between political parties um it's the ending of this movie is fascinating because it shows just how much power this government has uh you you feel like you, you watch this film and as everything unfolds and it's finally revealed as to what happened and how this was pulled off you feel like there is going to be justice for your main character until his <laughs> widow uh, reacts to the news that charges have been filed. That's where you start to get the feeling that, well, why is, why is she upset? Why, why is she so disappointed in this? It's because nothing is going to change. You get a news report where it reveals that all of the characters that you have been cheering for, they don't get their court. They don't get their case. It's, it's you know, some of them die. Some of them are killed. Some of them commit, I'm going to put this in air quotes, commit mm-hmm. suicide. Uh, others are, are fired from their, their place of work and are never hired back again. While meanwhile, the... Uh, government officials kind of come into even more power, mm-hmm. uh, which, as as exciting and thrilling as this film ends, man, it goes out on a depressing note. But yes, wow, uh, yeah, uh, this is quite a movie, Blake. Yeah, it's great. I and and talking about it now it makes me really want to rewatch it and just yeah. sort of like get a, a different perspective on it. I want to talk about the slow motion sequence a little bit. Yeah. Did it? So there's a couple sequences where they sort of like, oh, what happened? And then they they t- they they tell what happens, and then it shows them their perspectives. Right. Did it remind you of another movie? It did. In fact, I I felt a little bit of a Rashomon vibe. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I really appreciate when, when movies do that and do it well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, when they do it so well, it certainly feels like it has the uh, uh, inspiration of, you know, one of our mutual favorite uh, classic filmmakers, Kurosawa. Yeah. Uh, his his uh, inspiration is certainly here. But yeah, yeah uh, that was something I didn't, I didn't even think about really until you kind of brought it up. But it, once, yeah. you, once you implied it, I was right there on board with you. It, it yeah. really feels that way. 
Yeah, I, I love the sequences where the guy has to go speak and he's like, they're all scared to walk across and he's like, nope, we got to do it. And, yep. you know, he's getting attacked. And then, you know, of course the attack happens and that whole thing is, is very um, powerful. And yeah. then just the breakdown of how this group sort of, like there's one sequence where one of the supporters is taken in an ambulance and then the ambulance pulls over about a mile away. And then, you know, these guys chasing it, pull the guy out and beat him closer to death. Yeah. Um, there's a sequence where, you know, um, Z is being taken away by another guy and, he's, and, he, and then somebody else stops him. And then there's this whole like uh, sequence where the guy, the kidnapper is trying to like not get caught. And it's just always, really interesting pieces that are moved that like, like you said, as the movie progresses, they reveal that they're being manipulated by some pretty big hands. Um, and like you said, at the end of the movie, man, like you just, like, it's a big gut punch. You, you know, no one's really going down for anything that's happened. And yeah. it's, it's like, you like what I, what, like, as I, as I sort of uh, progressed in the movie, I was like, oh, well, nothing changes, I guess. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Fascinating movie that sort of prescient even today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely felt that there was a, a lot that uh, you could really see uh, in, in kind of modern times. Um, I, I want to talk about one character really quickly before we kind of wrap up our chat on, on this movie. Uh, I, I don't know the name of the character. I could, I could look it up here, but it was one of the conspirators who uh, committed the crime uh, and you find him right afterwards. He, he goes to like a, a newspaper office or something and has like blood kind of on his face, but he yes. has this like absolute joy for what he just did. And just, he is this, this, this character who always seems to be like, yeah, I, I did it. Hey, I, I feel pretty good about this. Mm-hmm. For me, that's that's one of the like oddly comic things that happens in this film is mm -hmm. this guy just did something terrible and he is he's he's super proud about it. I think it was I think he was he Vago? Was that the name? I don't remember who it was. I know who you're yeah. talking about though. Yeah, he was also in the French connection. Huh. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. But I just I just thought that uh <laughs> Just how he carried himself after committing this crime yeah. was, uh, you know, it, it, it reminds you of, of people that are looking for the spotlight after they commit some kind of terrible crime. Like I, that. yeah, I definitely really did not like that guy at all. Right. Yeah. Um, there's one thing I want to bring up before we move on. Sure. So the guy, there's, 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 a, there's a subplot in the movie where a guy is like in the hospital because he got beaten or something. Yeah, and he has he has this entire giant room to himself, and he has all these visitors always coming in and telling him what to do and whatnot. So at, at one point, his sister comes in and yells at him. <laughs> You're like, "Oh, you need to do this because mom said so, or whatever." Did you recognize the actress? I did not. I did not. The, it's the same actress who plays Grandiska in Armacord. <gasps> no way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is. Oh wow! So what a connection. <laughs> Speaking of, it's the Italian connection this time. Yeah. So, huh. yeah. 
kind of funny how that all works out. Yeah, that's really cool. That's fun. It's fun to kind of, I wonder how many times we're going to kind of run into stuff like that as I we go through this collection. many times doing oh, this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same here. Well, that would be, I, I feel like that's a, a pretty decent place to stop before we get into kind of a, our, our general ratings of these films. Yeah. Now, the, the way that I structured this conversation where I had you start with State of Siege and I started okay. with Z, I have a feeling that that is a reflection of our overall scores. So, Blake, what would you rate State of Siege? I'd give it probably a four out of five. Yeah, and I would give State of Siege a three and a half. Uh, I, I feel like it's one that upon uh, further rewatch, I probably would bump it up to four. Um, but yeah, I, I, I quite liked it. And it seems mm -hmm. like you really yeah. enjoyed that one. I really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, and then on Z, uh, my rating for Z as of right now, uh, it's one that I'm, I've, I've debated going even higher with this one, but right now I'm at a solid four for uh, Z. I just thought this one was something really special. And what was your rating for Z, Blake? I will also give it a four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I just, this was a great assignment. Like, yeah. it is always nice to kind of... Uh, get your eyes opened to a certain yeah. filmmaker. So yeah. once again, a huge thank you to uh, Mike Quinlivan for, uh, I, if I'm mis mispronouncing your name, Mike, I, I sincerely apologize, but a huge thank you for this recommendation. Because, yes. Yeah, this was, this was great. I was really excited to, to watch these two movies. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go ahead and before we, we offer our goodbyes for this week's episode, let's talk about what we're going to be doing on the next episode. <laughs> this is a challenge that we have truly set for ourselves. Um, Blake, what are we, what are we <sighs> doing next time? Well, it was recommended to, not recommended, it was asked of us, like, hey, so for other people who are not initiated in the annals of the Criterion Collection, what you, you guys should put a show together that is sort of like, what are some movies that would be a gateway into the collection? And so we are going to do an episode or two on... <laughs> um, what we think are some good movies that people might not feel too intimidated by um, to jump into. Yeah, and kind of a, a Criterion Collection starter pack, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like some of uh, both of our favorites that we've watched that were kind of like, okay, I could see somebody sort of like, what, like really enjoying this um, that doesn't feel like they're just going full art house. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, our, our, what we're trying to whittle this down to, and we haven't quite decided if we're going to go with five or go with ten, but the, the idea is to kind of whittle our list down to, we'll say five for now, five right. titles that uh, are part of the Criterion Collection that are also on the Criterion channel to kind of make it easier for people to get access to. Oh, okay. I need to change my list then. <laughs> oh, no. If, no, if, if you okay. don't want to do it okay. that way. No, okay. no, no, no. no that, that needs to happen. That for sure needs to happen. So, okay, cool. I, I so, wasn't thinking. But then, but then we'll have the honorable mention, which will be, you know, a couple of titles that 
you know, if you, if they're not on the channel, that they're definitely ones that you want to, uh, you know, see if you can acquire through your local library or whatever that are, are part of the Criterion Collection. Uh, as of right now, uh, in my, my rough draft, I have a list of about 10 movies, and then I have two honorable mention that even if we, if we go with just five, these will be my honorable mention no matter what, because sure. they're not on the channel, and they are ones that I think are perfect, a perfect place to begin uh, with, uh, with introducing yourself to the Criterion Collection. Yes. So. Um, and one rule that I have set for myself, and I, like I said off air, I'm not holding you to this. <laughs> I am not picking any Hollywood directors. Oh, okay. So okay. I did. I did have movies like Shortcuts and Hoop Dreams, uh, uh, and like uh, Do the Right Thing, and others. And I'm like, well, maybe that isn't the point of what I'm trying to get across. So I t I took them off because I, I these are these are going to be directors who um, are known as like maybe the world filmmakers who who never just forayed into hollywood so that that's the rule i'm giving myself Ooh. if you if you feel the need to highlight a movie by one of them that is on the collection that isn't well known i am all for it oh okay okay so i'm gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna run with this for a second because i have a feeling that i'm going to accept that challenge i, I think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna take that challenge um does this include or can it include British filmmakers, or is it just in non non English speaking filmmakers who? For are me, it is. For me, it is any, any anyone. It, okay. It's it's any filmmaker who who went and did like a big who who made a movie for a studio. Okay. So. Okay. Oh man! Well, I, I might have to take this challenge, but that that throws my list into a little bit of uh, uh, disarray. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this challenge. So uh, none of your big time Hollywood studio filmmakers, strictly kind of low key or, or uh, uh, I would say foreign cinema, international cinema. Uh, okay, okay. Whew. What am I doing? <laughs> what am I stepping into now? This, okay. This will be fun. And you can, yeah. you can do, you can do like American movies. They, yeah. Like for me, it's just like, if they went on to do a Hollywood movie, I'm not going to pick them. Sure, for sure. So okay. As of right now, I'm going to try that challenge. When we when we meet again in two weeks to talk this over, we will I see might be like, that. I might be like, listen, here's the thing. <laughs> I got I got to approach this differently. So. You'll 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 be Kramer in the uh, the challenge episode where he walks in and slams the money down on the table. Like I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Here I am. Here's your I'm money. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, this will be exciting. So that'll that episode will drop in two weeks. Uh, when we get a chance to talk about the Criterion Starter Pack uh, for those who are looking for an in uh, to get into the Criterion Collection. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it. Blake, that was another really fun episode. It was great getting a chance to talk to you about uh, uh, Costa Gavras, a filmmaker that uh, we're both uh, now, we feel like we're, we're pretty familiar with. Yeah, I and I I hope more shows up on the channel at some point because I there's some like uh, the confession and the and missing that I really really want to see now. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Missing. I Actually, I own The Confession, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so that might uh, get bumped up my list sooner rather than later. But yeah, a really, really great watch, both of those movies, and uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, Blake, where can people find you on the internet? Wow, everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> um, I, I do a lot of movie stuff on my Instagram storyline, are, uh, and my username on there is BlakeG5150. Um, I co-host another podcast uh, with Casey Kelderman from Backlot605 called The Killer Countdown. Um, we sort of are switching up our format, which I'm super excited about. Um, but um, so uh, our, our newest episode just dropped. Um, this past week. I think this comes out next week. So, that, so it'll be about a week out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, I just do random stuff whenever the backlot boys need me. So I'm super uh, into that as well. Yeah, I was uh, I was just listening before we started recording. I was listening to your uh, uh, episode on Backlot Six Hundred Five proper, uh, t- diving into Moonrise Kingdom, which oh, is, is a Criterion title. Yep, yep, oh, it's, it's wow. in on the feed now. So uh, I kind of Criterion related. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun to listen to, uh, and I was I was very surprised and. Uh, I'm excited to see what you guys do with the Killer Countdown, but I was like, "What? What's the? What? Why is it ending? Why are you guys changing it? What's going to happen?" But uh, I think <laughs> it's it's, I, it's it's not going away entirely. It's good. just I think Casey and I just need uh, to freshen up some stuff, and yeah. um, we we want to talk more about specific specific filmmakers and series and all that. So we kind of want to focus more on uh that as opposed to like a subgenre. So that that's where that's right. coming from. Yeah. Yeah, and I I will I will still be excited to listen uh yeah. every time one of those episodes drops because they're they're a lot of fun. A lot of fun getting to listen to you guys talk about horror. Um yeah. you can find uh all things Fat Dude Digs Flicks uh on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just do a search for Fat Dude Digs Flicks and you will find me there. Uh please subscribe to this podcast, rate and review this podcast. This is all part of the Fat Dude Digs Flicks feed. Uh, maybe in the future I will have this feed separated from that, but for the time being, if you subscribe to this show, uh, don't forget about the bonus Let's Talk About It episodes. Uh, this past week I did an episode with Terry Liggins, the Hurdle Life coach, uh, about the film Just Mercy, and we had a really good conversation. Uh, and then coming up after this episode drops next week uh, will be an episode on the musical, the screen musical Grease, uh, featuring mm. Andrew High and his wife Shina High. Uh, we are we'll talk about how they met, uh, how their relationship came to be, all because of Grease. Uh, and I think. That's going to do it for this episode. Blake, this was always a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it, and I certainly am looking forward to uh, next time when we get to uh, <laughs> kind of approach this challenge. That's going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait to record that episode. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I, I told you last time, Blake, that I will not put the responsibility of a sign off on you. So all I will say <laughs> is... I appreciate that. I really do. <laughs> all I will say is uh, stay safe, wash your hands, and be sure to check out a movie possibly on 
the Criterion Channel. Bye. You've been listening to the Criterion Break.